Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the US Sports Podcast with me, Max Whittle. Today's special guest. He was nicknamed the Dream and he certainly lived one. He was born in Nigeria... He played 18 years in the NBA. He won two championships with the Houston Rockets. Can you guess who it is yet? Two-time Defensive Player of the Year Award winner, a 12-time All-Star, and he's the all-time leader in the NBA in block shots. Yes, it is Hakeem Olajuwon, and today he is based in Birmingham, in England, England's second city, not on the east coast of America. Does that not seem bizarre? It's crazy. This NBA legend... Grew up in Lagos, spent most of his professional career in Texas, is now living right under our very noses if you are in the UK. His daughter accepted a spot at the University of Birmingham two and a half years ago. So Hakeem hasn't got long to stay here. And it's crazy. Went up to the Solihull Sixth Form College a couple of weeks ago to make two videos for Give Me Sport, which are now online. You can go and watch them on the Give Me Sport Facebook page. They're doing really well. I'm really happy with them. Uh, We split it into two parts. Hakeem showed us all of his classic dream shake moves on the court and he still got it you know he was taking us through all the steps uh from how he learned it in soccer so actually creating the foundations came from soccer because as we know nigeria soccer is their national sport and he played a lot of it growing up so the dream shake was born out of that he shows us that he's shooting the ball he even dunked it for a 54 year old He's so athletic and he has five sons all playing at the City of Birmingham Basketball Club. They are all there. You imagine rolling up from, say, Nottingham or Cardiff and you've got a game against Birmingham in the under-12s and here come five larger ones on the jerseys of the Birmingham team. Pretty uh, pretty scary. And then their dad's on the sideline. So Solihull Sixth Home College, 100 metres away from the sports hall, there was a canteen full of kids just talking and laughing, studying, joking... And they're unaware that a top 10 NBA player all time is in the sports hall next to them. Crazy. And just listen to him talking passionately about winning titles while Michael Jordan was playing minor league baseball. He has a point in what he says. Um, Talks about playing through Ramadan, playing against the 86 Boston Celtics in the finals. And a a rare thing. So much in there. It's a great listen. Um, First few minutes of audio, a little rough, so apologies for that. It was raining hard on the roof of the sports hall, which still sounds bizarre. Here we go, Hakeem Olajuwon. Hakeem Olajuwon here with me, and it's always fun to play a game of, you know, can we recreate your career with someone else and the odds to achieve that? You grew up in a soccer-mad nation. You needed an authority figure to tell you basketball's probably the right way to go. And then you had to figure out the US, the culture, the sport of basketball. What are the odds of that ever happening again? Well, you've seen uh, a lot of players now from from Africa in the NBA. Mm -hmm. So once uh, people realize that it's possible, and uh, you see that now you've opened that door where it's inspiring for other people to come. So a lot of people are now coming through that door. 
How tall were you as a teenager? I was about 6, 10, 6, 11, when I was 17 years old. And no one, because so you play basketball for the first time at 17 years of age. Yes. No one in your family think basketball could be, could be good for you, Hakeem? Basketball was not really a popular sport in Nigeria. You know, it was a very small group of people that played basketball and they know each other. So once you go into the basketball world, then it seemed like it was an underground world. That they're pushing for the public to know basketball. But of course, it was more soccer dominating sport in our country, you know, and other sports like table tennis, ping pong, uh, uh, badminton. Basketball was more like fought. Volleyball was even bigger than bas basketball in Nigeria. And we've given Hakeem this basketball and he hasn't let go of it yet. Do you remember that feeling first time you touched the basketball? Because and, and, you fell in love with it immediately, right? I mean, I was playing, all, you know, playing football, team ball. <laughs> once, I, first of all, when I saw uh, a guard handling the basketball without looking, that was amazing to me. How, how, how was, how was it dribbling the ball without looking? and it was in control. So it was fascinating just to see that movement. So basketball was a very cool sport. You know, and of course, American sports, which is very big, anything American is very big in Nigeria. So I was, my attachment was very natural. And helpful in a way, you say Nigeria wasn't big on basketball, that no one told you because you were so tall to only stand under the basket. Was that, was that helpful, do you think, in the end? Well, uh, once I entered into the basketball world, there are players, there are people that have been playing basketball, there are legends in basketball, but they were not known in the general public. So there are people that are playing sports, are playing basketball in Nigeria, but the coaches, the players, it's like a, a small group of people. So they were very fascinating that, wow, we have a guy like myself, very young, but very athletic. So you can see the potential. So I was. Everybody was trying to help me to develop. Everybody was giving me some input what to do. So I was, was very welcoming. And I feel the coach did an incredible job by, first of all, describing my role as a big man in this sport. How important a big man is basketball. So immediately I felt like, wow, this is my sport. I have a big role to play in this sport. Not just to be an average player. You can impact the game, the decision of the game. So immediately I understand how valuable I can be for this sport. And you ended up going to Houston to play at university, but who was that coach in Africa that made the call to, either it was Guy Lewis or someone else? Christopher Pond. He was coaching a Central African team. We played against them. And after the game, he came to our hotel. He said, you have to play in the States. <laughs> Do you know anybody in, the, in, the, in America? I said to him, no. If I arrange for you to go, will you pay and buy your tickets, plane ticket to go? I said, I think we can manage that. So he made a call at the embassy. Do you remember how much that ticket cost? I remember. Cheaper than today? <laughs> no, it was about, about 1200 Wow. 1200 What's amazing was, you know, you can only change 1,000 Naira, the amount is Naira, mm. to travel. And I remember I changed 1,000 one Naira and I got back $1,860 in exchange. 
but today one dollar is 360 naira. That's amazing just to see that difference. <laughs> it's a good job you, you made it then, you made the money back, right? <laughs> Do you remember what you packed in that bag when you went to Houston for the first time? I was packing just, uh, I packed my just shirts and pants and also my traditional wear in African dress. You know, I didn't, I was not familiar with the cold because, you know, it's tropical. So I remember when I got to New York, I was wearing just a, a shirt and a pants and I went out in the winter. <laughs> so just that shock of that cold, cold wind coming in. So wow, I can't live here. So you were cold and no one was at the airport to collect you, right? Now, I changed my ticket from, you know, from going to St. John now to Houston. Mm. I was supposed to visit five different schools. So Houston was my next stop. When I got to Houston, of course, they didn't know I was coming. They knew I was coming a week later, but not that day. So nobody was at the airport. And uh, I, I look at my, uh, my papers in my hand. I look at the basketball office, Coach Lewis. So I called the basketball office. I'm here in Houston. I said, well, take a taxi to the basketball office. You know. So, but when I came out of the airport, it was very warm and nice, very similar to the, what I'm used to in, you know, in Nigeria. So I was very comfortable in Houston right away. First thing you had to, to eat, do you remember what you had? I think... Uh, Burger, maybe? <laughs> no, so I, think, I, I think it was pizza. Pizza? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it was after practice, we were passing out pizza. I was not used to it, you know, so that was my first time tasting pizza. Moses Malone happens to be down the road when you're playing at the University of Houston, one of the greatest centres of all time. Yes. He's playing for the Rockets. How fortunate, I guess the question really is, what did he teach you? Because you were able to train with him in the summers, weren't you? The, the assistant coach for the University of Houston told me that in the summertime, we, we, at this gym, Moses, come down there and play. You can play against them. I said, really? You know, of course, I was excited just to be in, in his presence. And uh, that summer, I didn't play uh, with the University of Eastern team that year. I came late. Mm -hmm. So I sat down for that year. But that summer, we went to the gym. It's called Fonde Recreation Center. And true, uh, Moses was there. And uh, I was introduced to him. Yeah. He was very, very, very kind, very nice. He was happy to see me. He saw my, my physique, very skinny, but my height, you know. So they, they told me, these are our recruits. to be playing for us next year at the rest of Houston. So he was very gentle uh, when I first met him. But as soon as we started playing, <laughs> he was not gentle at all. So he really gave me a, he didn't really, like work with me one-on-one. -on -one. It was more just playing, and he was teaching me by playing against me physically. He was introducing me to basketball, American basketball by just being very physical. And I've never experienced any kind of, that kind of contact in my whole life. So it was an eye-opening. And of course, then my teammates, Clyde, Mishaw, were pushing me to go to hold my ground. Try to, so, all the, so it really gave me that uh, competitive uh, uh, to accept the challenge that if you're facing any opponent, it doesn't matter who you're playing against, you have to play your game and, and defend your position. And that's what, really, what Moses really taught me, playing against them. 
Did you, because you're the all-time leader in blocks in the NBA, did, at that point though, did you care about defense? And having Moses bang against you in the, in the post, was that when you realized, okay, I want to play defense at a big time level as well? No, it's just, it's just uh, the way, how physical, to, you know, how you know, he pushed you, pushed very deep. He, you know, experienced knowing that the advantage he has over me because I was very skinny, and to use that by being physical. And that's basketball. Basketball is to realize your advantage over your opponent and maximize on that. So it was being very physical, and I was banging against him. Just, but he was so clever with the ball. When he gets the ball, I, there's nothing left to do. I can only fight him before he gets the ball. But once he gets the ball, it's all over. And uh, he has that advantage all through. Even when I was playing against him in the pros, mentally, I could never do it, Moses, because he has that advantage from day one. But rumor has it, you dunked on him near the end. Is that true? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> that was just that was just an opportunity. Not not, not nothing like uh, because you know Moses was so physical, and uh, that was my first introduction to basketball. So it was right here. That's your mentor. You can't really overcome that. But I play against him competitively, but he has that, he, he knows my tendencies. And he used that physical ability to, 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 to take advantage of it. That was a yes, that was a yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the 1984 draft was fascinating for several reasons. Can you believe that was the last year the coin flip decided the, the top two picks? Can you believe we ever had that in the league? That was last. That was the last year they did it. So Houston, Portland, Chicago, all because Houston or Portland picked the correct. I didn't realize it was last year. Mm. Yeah, wow. David Stern had an amazing yeah. stash as well. <laughs> Do you remember David Stern? What he looked like then? No, of course. <laughs> we, we came into the league together the same year. Mm. You know, so I was. You take pride that I was his first pick as a commissioner. So I always take pride of that myself, and, and he has said that in many occasions also. So Hakeem Olajuwon, number one in the draft, Sam Bowie, number two, Michael Jordan, number three. Your former teammate at university, Clyde Drexler, was in Portland at the time, along with Jim Paxson. I think that's a big reason why the Blazers didn't select Jordan. Did you ever talk to Clyde Drexler about, about that, the fact that he was there, so Michael wasn't there? No, I mean, uh, I've, I've heard this, that even when uh, Portland drafted Sam Bowie, they still have the opportunity to trade mm. and, uh, because they were looking for the big men at all costs. Uh, and uh, any draft, you know, with uh, Michael Jordan in that draft, you know, it was, what can you say? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy that I played that era because that was a golden era of basketball. And you've already talked about this trade scenario where Houston could have given up Ralph Sampson, Portland were going to offer the number two pick and Drexler. So you could have been back with your former teammate and right. they could have selected Michael, Michael Jordan, Jordan with you. That would be, <laughs> be a dream team. <laughs> it was the dreams team in the end. How, what would your game have been like, do you think, if you'd have played with Michael Jordan? Well, I don't know. How would you know? Because by playing... Uh, independently, give me a chance to develop. Maybe if you play with Michael Jordan, we, the impact we have on each other 
game. Maybe both of us will not develop to be the player that we are. You know, so we never know because that will be... Uh, one, one thing I know about Michael Jordan, that he plays the game the right way. I mean, it's amazing. You know, he's playing against... I mean, he's playing with Luke Longley, Will Purdue. These are uh, decent big men. This, is not, this was not their strength. But if they call for the ball in the post, he will pass it. It's amazing. Because I got those guys, and they call for the ball, he will give it to them. And, of course, he leveraged that position to his advantage. He gives it to them, and he will get it back. So it's amazing that, that we see guys, when, they, when you see a guy, a postman, calling for the ball, they tend to clear. No, Jordan will pass it. He understands how to use that position to benefit, to win games. So that's one of the... Jordan is a genius in how he plays the game. You can compare other players with him, but his, his decision-making, you know, that's when you know that this guy is a genius. Two years later, 1986, you defeat Pat Riley's Lakers. They were the champions, of course, from the year before. It's the Western Conference Finals, and Riley says to you afterwards, we tried, about you, he said, we tried everything. They send four guys to you. Do you think there's something that they didn't try? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got now that you're retired, you can tell them what they could have done. No, I don't know. Because, I mean, you, this, they, they were the champion, you know. But uh, we were the, the upcoming, the twin towers, and it's youth against experience, you, you know. So, but once we we won a game in in LA, we tied the series there. The confidence was so high that now we're going home. And we won the first two games at home. We know we can close them out. So we gain confidence as, it, as, as that series develops. But for me, I was just playing basketball, just trying to win. I was not thinking of it. They, they, they were asking us, do you think you guys can beat them? I believe we can beat anybody. That, when, I, when I step on the floor, I've never played a season where I don't believe we can win the championship. I always believe we can. And that was an incredible year for basketball as well. And I think anyone out there should YouTube Hakeem Olajuwon, Mixtape, and Boston Celtics from 1986. <laughs> Arguably the classic. greatest team. That's a classic. One of the best teams ever, if not the best team. So you had Kevin McHale, who had great low post moves. Yes. But were you guarding Parrish and Walton, or were you on McHale for some of that time? Parrish. Then uh, uh, Ralph was guarding uh, McHale. How but, but when you look at it, that, that team, hmm. you know... Parrish, 7 feet 2, McHale, 7 or 6 11, Larry Ball, 6 9, Dennis Johnson, 6 6. I mean, that's a big team. I mean, the, the shortest guy is 6 6, and they play so well together. They move the ball, the experience. I mean, we beat the Lakers knowing that they have the experience, but when we play the, Lakers, when we play the Boston Celtics, it was amazing how they, they play together. Big team, positioning making decision, I mean, the, passing the ball and finding the right, I mean, it was amazing, it was a, it was a learning experience for us. You know. Did you learn from Mikhail? Did you ever watch his, his footwork down low? Not really, but I found out, you know, later on that, you know, because we play, when we play the East Coast, we only play once a year. We don't get time to see them as much. I found out like from uh, when people are like Barkley was saying, McHale's footwork, 
Then now, when they, when they were scorching the rockets, I went back and looked at YouTube and looked at all this under, on, up and under, the failure gained tremendous respect for him. I never really get a chance to play, to guard him. I always got Parrish, you know, but I know that he's very, very effective in how he twists and, you know, very, very uh, long arms, you know, so it's very effective. But I never really watched his, 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 uh, his post move until when he was coaching the Rockets and he was telling me about what he used to do to players. And I went back and looked at it, you know. Do they really turn the heat up in that gym? In, well, the, in the road locker room in Boston? I think it was just an old gym that, you know, <laughs> where nobody liked to play there. And also, on, there are some part of the floor that they know that it's a dead spot. So these people even know the floor. <laughs> you know, and a lot of history in that, in the, that gym where when you go to Boston Garden, you have to play up, you have to step up your game because of the history and the team was very strong. You know, so it was always a good challenge to play there, which I love that kind of energy. Mm. You're a Houston icon, and I think particularly in the current climate, it's a very important time to be an icon in that city. When you won the championship in 94, first major city championship since the Oilers back in 61, and now the Astros have just won the World Series. Everything that's happened with the hurricane as well. What, what do you think those championships mean to that city today? I think we just won the, the baseball, and I think it was a, it was a perfect uh, opportunity to bring the city back together. You know, we need that kind of uh, energy after this terrible uh, hurricane that just went, that just went a couple of months ago. So I think uh, it brings everybody together. It was the, you forgot about the, the bad experience. It was more like you know the new thing you know that we we shared together. And, uh, I hate that uh, I missed that. I was here. We have the, the three major sports, the football, the basketball, and uh, the baseball, you know. And uh, this is the first, the first major league you know, World Series that they won in the history in the, of the city. So uh, I was following it, and uh, everybody was telling me how vibrant the city was, you know. Especially that city was very tough too, mm. you know. So it was very, Fantastic uh, uplifting for the city after the hurricane to win the, in the Major League Series, you know, the parade downtown. You know, I saw the pictures on my phone. It was amazing. Going back to your career in 94, your first championship, obviously the Knicks, seven-game series. You won the finals MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, and the MVP award. Does that ever happen again? I'm sure it can happen again. You know, you have guys like LeBron and uh, Steph Curry, Durant. I mean, we have a lot of major, you know, big-time players right, that right now that, can, uh, that have the opportunity. That can happen again, meaning defensive player of the year, regular season MVP, and you have to win the championship to win the MVP. So, I mean, I think it's possible. Anything's possible. Anything's possible. You <laughs> yeah. proved it. Yeah. And winning again in '95. What what did all of this mean back home in Nigeria? Of course, since my college days, you know, just playing in college, I played on the fast lane. My jammer, my team was nationally recognized. So Nigeria has been following my career from college, mm. you know, and also to go into the pros, you know, and doing the same thing basically, playing play the finals in '86 and winning championship, you know. 
I think uh, it's, a, it's a big pride of the country. Random question. Do you remember the Taco Bell commercial that you were in with Spike Lee and Shaq back in the day? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I remember. Who, what did they say to you when that idea came up? I mean, they just give me the, the format of the, what, what they're trying to accomplish, you know. And uh, Shaq and I, we just played the finals. So this was just a, more of a, a settlement between both of us, really. Yeah. You had to pick Spike up as well. It's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah, well, Spike just did uh, some of the Nagi commercials. So it was more, at that time, he was very creative for anything Spike Lee. was very, it's very, it's major. So with Taco Bell, with Shaka and I was very, you know, very, <laughs> you know, people talk about it up till now. Mm. Yeah. Even today in Birmingham. Yeah, so they reminded me, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And you're one of four players to record a quadruple double. What's the hardest stat on that line to get in a game? I think it's easier for a, a big guy because you, know, you have to block shots. The assist, the rebounding and scoring, that is automatic. But the assist and the 10 blocks are the most difficult. Because Alvin Robertson did it with steals. Do you, do you with steals. Yeah. That was, imp that was <laughs> incredible. You know, I mean, what well, steals and what? Uh, steal, it was assists, steals, rebounds and points, I believe. He steals. Well, I guess it's still possible. Yeah. <laughs> and he was in your draft, of course. Yes. Toughest opponent you ever faced? Shaq says it was you. No, Shaq. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, Shaq is, I mean, it's amazing to see a guy of that size and the way he moves, you know, physically and very active. And such a threat, uh, like when he runs the floor, he just runs straight to the middle of the paint and stands right there. So you always kept telling the referee three seconds, get him out of the <laughs> because you can't move him out. You know, so it's very tough for me to play against Shaq. What do you remember from that 95 finals, particularly playing against him? It was just an unbelievable journey of the team that this was the first of his last seed that won the championship. That's in history. And uh, to see that, uh, not just to win it, to sweep them was unbelievable in the finals. And that was a very, very strong team. And a lot of people, they always overlook that point when they talk about our championship when Jordan was not there. They make it seem like it wasn't there. That team, Orlando, they beat Chicago. With Penny Adewey and Shaq, they beat them in game six. When, they, when the uh, Anderson made a huge steal on Jordan to save the game. That was a huge series. They make it seem like it was not there. They don't, I mean, they don't give in that Orlando team respect. That was a huge team you know, with all tremendous talent on that, that team. Uh, to sweep them in the finals was, uh, I, I couldn't believe it. And you were a sixth seed in there. They were first seed, you were a sixth seed in the West. <laughs> Um, you see all the signs as well, the Dreams team uh, in Houston and the Dream team, of course, in 92. You were ineligible, you won a gold in 96. A lot went on that year. Yeah. It was more uh, security. Yeah. It, wasn't like, it wasn't like where the Olympics where you, know, you feel free to be able to move around and see the village and yeah. interact with people. It was more like we sheltered. Yeah, I heard the media were all at the airport as right. well. 
I read Bob Ryan's book about it, and he said it was a terrible Olympics. Yes, I mean it was. It was not. I mean it was just more like from here in your room. Yeah, I mean it was more like you're in jail really for that. For that yeah. But it was just playing with those guys in practice and uh, with Shark, Shark David. We are the big men, David and I, Shark, and Karl Malone, John Stockton. I mean, these guys was to just play with the game, play with John Stockton. To to you see how it made the game so much easy. Mm. You, know, you know how to create your own shots. You know, you just finish for him. That, that, that was very unusual for me. <laughs> you have to create. You know? Stockton as well. He had that. There was that. You know, he was in that draft. Yes, he was, of course. And he was walking down the streets of Barcelona in '92, and, and he actually spoke to members of the public. He had a Team USA shirt on, and he asked this person, "What do you think of John Stockton?" And they were talking to him. Didn't know it was John Stockton. That's how he just fit right in. Just didn't look like a basketball player. Oh, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it's amazing uh, how he plays the game. You know, not, not fancy, but it's just decision-making. On the floor, very tough, tough shots. He, he was one of the players where, you know, a lot of players, they, they go away from a shot blocker. He come after you. <laughs> He's a different kind of player. Now, you won Player of the Month award in February, I think it was 95, during Ramadan. You won Player of the Month. Did you drink water? No, of course not. Because so I know something. <laughs> no, of course. So you're an NBA athlete, you're not uh, drinking, you're not eating, right. and you want Player of the Month. Well, I think, I thought in, in Ramadan, uh, for me, there's tremendous uh, energy. It's amazing. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a purification of your system where you feel so energetic and active. In fact, when you when I break my fast, sometimes you eat, then it slows down. You more, more, get more lazy. But without that, your, 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 your mental sharpness. And uh, I, I remember in practice where you feel so much faster and quicker, out of, you can, out of oxygen. It's amazing you know, that you move fast, you can really, really. But of course, after a while, it gets to you that all that energy will all of a sudden just break down. Then you re recover again. This happened over and over and over, where after a while you get used to it. And your, your spiritual focus overrides everything else. So if you're playing a game during Ramadan, what's your routine? What time do you have to eat before and what time do you eat after? You eat around 4.30 in the morning. And you don't eat until sunset again, where sometimes we play the game at 7 30. So maybe the sunset in Houston around, around 8 30. So maybe half time of the game. So 6 then, 15 hours yeah. after you've so eaten? Half time of the game, you get up, you fall asleep of water, you feel so. <laughs> then mentally, now you're ready to go to finish the game so strong, you know? It's amazing, though. So. And my team is very, very supportive. They understand. They, will, they keep this game closed till second half. You know you're going to break your first second half, then you can go. You know. So it's, it was a great experience in my career. You know, just 
playing against great players and playing with fantastic teammates. The experience of the NBA is amazing. All these nutrition bars and adverts, you could save a lot of money going the Hakeem way. <laughs> Glass of water at half-time, don't need to spend anything yeah, on exactly. money. <laughs> Um, what kind of person were you before Islam became a big part of your life? Well, it doesn't like a, you, you didn't really like a change. It was just more like matured. Like I used to get a lot of technical. I mean, I was leading league in technical <laughs> because I argued with the referees a lot. Then uh, after a while, you have a better understanding, with more maturity in your decision making. And a lot of things, they just look at the big picture. You don't dwell in that moment, you know, let it go. So things that just help you uh, deal with situation more in a matured way, you know. So that's where my, my, my teammates, uh, they see my development every year. You know, once you start practicing Islam, then you become more calm. Instead of, you're still aggressive on the court, but you deal with the situation much, much better. Last question. Michael Jordan, in his all-time team, he selected you as centre. He loved the versatility you offered from that position. He went James Worthy, Scottie Pippen, himself, Magic Johnson and Hakeem Olajuwon. Would your all-time team be any different to that? They can pick, it's a preference, you can pick another five, they can beat that team. You can pick another five again, they can beat that team. Because, you know what I mean? Just a, the talent is very, very close. Now it's just the will and determination. Uh, a lot of people will dispute that. They can pick their own team. You know, that's how great it is. You know, the, when you look at the history of the game, all these great players that have played in the past. You know, if you take me out of that, if we Shaq, there's no difference. If we David, there's no Patrick, no, no difference. Because we, both, we all do the same thing. And you can do so well in the highest level. Thank you to my guest today, Hakeem Olajuwon. I've got one more guest coming up before the Christmas holiday and those four NBA games on Christmas Day. Dennis Syatt is going to be coming on. We're going to go through our surprises and other things as we head into that Christmas Day bonanza. If you do want to watch all four of the games, uh, a lot of people will just settle in on Warriors-Cavs, 8pm local time. But if you want to go through the whole four, you're going to have to eat a lot of sprouts. That would be my advice. Try and get rid of all family members from your vicinity. Sprouts will do that and you can get your turkey leftovers, get in front of the couch and just sit and enjoy the basketball. Uh, one more pod then with Dennis coming up. Have a great holiday, everyone. And we'll talk in the new year about Giancarlo Stanton to the Yankees. Derek G has certainly done his old team a solid, as they say, and he's got a lot of questions to answer in Miami. Not a great start for Derek Jeter, but you know what? He's been on a scholarship for a while now. He's uh, got a great wife. He had a great career, won a lot of awards. He's done a lot of great things. Um, and it's about time we, we saw Derek Jeter in the spotlight for, for not the best of reasons. So we'll get a baseball guest on in the new year. And of course, the NFL playoffs, the Jacksonville Jaguars, UK's team made the playoffs and they can wrap up the AFC South this weekend, actually, which is which is great news. So I'm really happy for the Jags. NFL heating up as we head into wildcard weekend in a few weeks' time. So please spread the word. You can subscribe to the US Sports Podcast on iTunes. Subscribe, rate, review out of five stars. Please leave a comment. It really helps the show. And tell your friends about the podcast. Have a great holiday. I'll speak to you soon.
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.